This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get go lasso Europa League preview. We have Jimmy Conrad to break down pretty much every single game. Round of 32. That means 16 matches. We also have an interview with Rangers striker Kamar Roof. And of course, we repeat once again our great chat with the United States women's national team captain Becky Sauerbrunn as she believes Cup kicks off on Thursday night and the U.S. face Canada. So much. A busy episode. Que golazo begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que golazo. This is our preview for the Europa League. We have Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy C, how are you, bud? I'm great, Luis Miguel. How are you, my friend? I'm excited about all these games. It feels like a little bit like March Madness, right? So many teams. Anything is possible. So I'm excited to get into it. Absolutely. First off, I'm loving your PSG shirt. I hope if you're watching on YouTube, you can see uh, Jimmy's uh, PSG shirt. I guess it is. I mean, there's only one reason why, right, Jimmy? Kylian Mbappe. I mean, <laughs> what, what What kind of performance? That was a that was a signature performance. I feel like we're going to look back on that and be like, that's the day that everything turned. And that's the day that Leo Messi handed over the the, the GOAT trophy or whatever to, to Kylian Mbappe as, as, okay, you're the guy now. And not that Messi would ever do that, but I'm just saying that I think that could be a watershed moment in his career and something that we look back on uh, uh, fondly, really, about where he really started to dominate and be the guy. Yep, I completely but, agree. Okay, that's great. I'm glad you agree with me. I appreciate that. Estoy de acuerdo. But <laughs> you're wearing a Napoli kit, and it's an old. What 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 year is that from? Well, this is like the commemoration. I have Maradona at the back. I'm just oh, turning amazing. around if you're watching. So my cousin, my lovely cousin. Alegra, she is the Latin American fan ambassador of Napoli. She is obsessed with Napoli, like crazy Napoli fan, like insane. So, uh, you know, because uh, she's the best cousin ever, she sent me this a few weeks ago Amazing. Uh, as a gift. So, so, you I, know. I kind of I want one. What's her, can you DM me? <laughs> well, uh, can, well, we, can I, you connect I, us? I want one of those. Allegra, can you send one to my Mandale uno a mi amiguito aquí, a Jimmy. He'll take care of it. She'll take I, care I, of it. I will say, if she's got any influence whatsoever, can we talk about the Napoli logo a little bit? It looks like a like an internet browser window, like a Netscape, you know? Like, just, just an N in a circle. I don't, I don't understand, Luis. <laughs> it's like if you press the button, a bunch of shirts come out. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> What is I, I don't know. That logo? I, I don't know. know. I don't know how much she say. I don't know. I don't know how much say she has, but she is Peruvian, so I'm sure she can like, you know, put some emphasis. But I'll say, but it's so true. Look, if you press the button, boop. <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> All right, everybody. Enough of that. Welcome to Kegel. Last Jimmy Conrad. We have plenty in this episode, including uh, an interview with Kamar Roof from Rangers, and of course, uh, just recirculating our chat with Becky Sauerbrunn as she believes Cup. But we begin with Europa League. Jimmy Conrad, round of 32. This is when it gets really good because the teams that were in the Champions League are now in Europa. 16 matches on Thursday, everybody. The first one beginning at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. This is going to be full on. So what Jimmy and I are going to do right now, before we get into, but in a second, we're going to go through every single, not every single game, no, but we're going to give you. Yeah, we'll do our best. We'll do our best here. Betting tips. And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see his easy money tips. So we're going to give you tips on pretty much all the important games. But before we do that, Jimmy, you wanted to bring something up, which I think is a very, very good and valid point. It is. I just picked up a pen to like point it at the camera and I dropped it. So, so that's how, that's how, not so angry, but how passionate I am about this because we're going to talk about Benfica versus Arsenal. And the first leg is in Rome and the second leg is in Athens. That's not the home stadium for either of these teams. And when I think about Arsenal in particular, 
they have to go to Rome, play against uh, Benfica. Then they go back to play against Manchester City. And then they have to fly all the way back to Greece to play the second. It just, I don't think they should have away goals. That's where I'm trying to, I don't, there's no home field advantage. I'm using air quotes here. Just get away, get away with the away goals. They don't matter in this two-legged affair. And I think everybody would be cool with that. And it makes sense. Not just This isn't isolated to the Europa League. It's also the Champions League. If you're playing at neutral sites, there shouldn't be away goals. It really it doesn't matter. You're not, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it. But, but take away the away goals. Play those two games straight up. And then they go into extra time if they're tied. Like if it ends up 3-3 after, after 180 minutes, then they go into extra time. And if it's tied after that, you go into penalties. And there you go. But, but I don't think away goals should matter. Well, I think you're going to be facing right now the shortest argument ever because I'm completely in agree. <laughs> I, I agree because we are living in really tough, challenging times and there is no away go advantage at this point. There is no home advantage, so to speak. It's two teams having to deal with a tremendous amount of travel uh, and it, it, at a neutral site. And as you mentioned, it's not just Europa, it's the Champions League. Take away the aggregate situation and just two matches and just see what happens. Because honestly, there is, there is no advantage. There's no fans in the stadium. Look at Liverpool and Anfield, right? It's not it's to them. That doesn't matter that they're at Anfield. Honestly, aside from the fact that it's probably a 20 minute Uber drive for some of the players, it's really just, <laughs> that's it. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. And with Europa, and we've said this for many uh, months now, and I'm sure even before we started this show that, it's even harder for Europa, I feel, because the distances are way further away. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You want to get into this first one, though, Benfica Arsenal? Yeah, so here we go, everybody. This is what we're going to do. There's a lot of games, and Jimmy and I might die by the end of this, especially Jimmy, <laughs> especially Jimmy, because he's really the one giving you the info. But I'm going to give the, the, the fixture, right? And Jimmy's okay. just going to go straight into it. Okay, so here, let's do it. It's going to go one by one. I'm not even going to give my opinion. I'm going to give you the first fixture, I'm going to force you to give an opinion. I'm going to force you to give an opinion, Luis, because I want your predictions on these. But go ahead. Keep going. Okay, fine. But we're going to try and do it in rapid uh, fire. So if you're listening to this or watching this, you may think, am I, did I just times two in the fast forward speed? (laughs) Nah, man. Nah, nah, nah. This is for real. All right, here we go, Jimmy. Europa League round of 32, beginning with Benfica against Arsenal. Okay. So here's what we got. Arsenal are coming off an impressive 4-2 to win over Leeds this past weekend. And that first 60 minutes, they were up 4-0. They were excellent in every single facet. And I think what gets everybody excited from an Arsenal perspective is that their young three in midfield, right behind Aubameyang, who had his first hat-trick in the Premier League, and that's a good thing for, for Gunners fans, was fantastic. You had Saka, Odegaard, and Smith-Rowe. I don't know if those guys are going to be rolled out this one. Smith-Rowe's played a lot of games. I think Odegaard might be in there, and Saka probably will play. I would continue to roll out Aubameyang. So the lineup choices, I'm curious, because as I mentioned a little bit earlier, they have a really tough schedule, right? They play Benfica twice, got Man City sandwiched in between that. After that, though, check check this out. Then they head back to face Leicester, Burnley, Spurs, West Ham, and Liverpool. And that is just a brutal schedule. So for them to get a good result here in this first leg against Benfica is very important. Now, if you guys remember, they had a pretty easy Europa League group stage. They, they scored 20 goals in six games. Benfica scored 18 in six games. I think there's going to be a lot of goals in this one. Benfica are not in good form. Only won three out of their last nine. They sit fourth in the Portuguese league, which is known as a league that's only has two teams in it uh, with, with Benfica and Porto. They sit in fourth. So they're not doing particularly well. Uh, big fan of George Jesus, their manager, but this isn't the season that uh, he's going to be known for, I think. So I like Arsenal to win this for all the reasons that I just mentioned. And over two and a half goals on William Hill plus 260, I think you can take that to the bank. Yep, Arsenal are doing amazingly. I think I'm completely right on Aubameyang. He now feels confident. Uh, things personal-wise are, are behind him. This is not the right time to face Arsenal, especially if you're Benfica. I'm going with a Benfica loss at home, 1-2-2. Two, two. So 2-1 two, to Arsenal in that one. I love that you said 1-2. to two. I don't think I've heard anybody say that in a long time. I know. It was, it was very weird. <laughs> I love and, that. No, no, it's fine. They were, they were they're, they're home, technically, so they can say 1-2. to two. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, did you give me final score prediction? I just, well, I didn't actually, I'll say, I'll say three, one to Arsenal. He better roll out Obama Yang. You got to go with the hot hand. You, you need to continue to feed him the ball, continue to hit the back of the net. And they're going to need him to be on fire heading into this really tough schedule, especially against Manchester city coming up because they're not too far. There's six points out of the top six. And those other teams are starting to like Everton in particular, starting to waver a little bit. So I think they could catch him. 
All right, so we have a lot more matches, so we're going to go a little faster here, Jimmy Conrad. Let's Sorry, go with man. La Real, Real Sociedad uh, against Manchester United. Yeah, this one obviously is a very good game. Uh, La Real has to feel pretty disappointed that they're facing Manchester United, who dropped out and probably shouldn't even be in this position. David Silva will be playing Adnan Yanase, who's been coming out and talking some trash about his time uh, at Man United under David Moyes and Louis Van Hall. Very interesting articles. You guys want to check that out. Nacho Monreal plays for La Real as well. So very familiar names to United fans, I'm sure. And then with La Real, Mikel Aryosabal and Mikel Moreno are two of my favorite players in La Liga. Alexander Ishak, who's going to play up top. He's got five goals in five straight games in La Liga. They're finally starting to turn it around after a great start, but really slowed down. I think they're really solid. I just don't know what lineup Ole Gunnar is going to roll out. I really don't. Pogba's out. Uh, and who, who does he play? Uh, Van de Beek hasn't been super clean. Do you bring out Bruno Fernandez? Lots of questions here. So in honor of that, I'm going to probably go with the draw here, uh, Luis. I, I just feel like I don't know the lineups. Real Sociedad's playing a little bit better. They don't give up too many goals or too many chances. However, Manchester United, very good away from home. I'm going to go with the draw straight up. Not going to add any of the exotics. Plus 250 for that. That's what I'm going with. All right. Well, Manchester United are winless in their last nine European games against Spanish opponents. Having said that, though, however, I feel like Real Sociedad, uh, technically speaking, can take advantage of a few mistakes. You mentioned, of course, Paul Pogba. I think that's a big loss for Manchester United. They're probably going to be a little bit bitter because of their uh, mm -hmm. you know, result against West Brom. And I have previously, as you as well, uh, you know, thought uh, that nothing was going to happen when United faced RB Leipzig and look what happened. So this could be a similar situation. However, I'm sticking with a draw here. I'm going with a two-all result at home for Real yeah, Sociedad. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think if United, as long as United aren't playing at Old Trafford or in Istanbul where they lost to Bashaksha here or Leipzig, they, they haven't lost anywhere else this season. So if they can just re remove those three places to play games, they're <laughs> going to be fine. And so I think they'll get a result here, though. I think La Real are starting to kind of regain their identity and confidence, and I think that's going to make a big difference to at least kind of draw out a 1-1 a result. I'll say 1-1. Love it. Love it. All right, let's keep going. Lille against Ajax. This, to me, on paper, looks like a great game. Lille against Ajax. Yeah, and I think that William Hill agrees with you. There's no clear favorite. So it's plus 160 for Lille to win straight up, uh, plus 240 for the draw, plus 163 for Ajax. So I guess Lille's a slight, slight, slight favorite. What I'll say about Lille really quick so that everybody knows, this is uh, seven consecutive clean sheets. They're walking into this one. Seven consecutive clean sheets. That's They're crazy. Tied for the best defense in the league. In, in France with PSG, they're the current league leaders. PSG's right behind them. And then Ajax are the Dutch leaders. They have a six-point lead, and they've been in good form as well. Um, they've won eight straight. They just beat PSV in the Dutch Cup. Is, it's a tough one. I, I don't really know, other than I think Lille have Yazici, who scored six goals in the Europa League group stages, including a hat-trick against AC Milan in Milan. And so they have the players to do it. The problem is, with that game in Milan, Luis, excellent, right? Milan hadn't lost at home in I don't know how how many months. And they went in there and slapped them around 3-0. I was like, what is going on with this Lille team? But then Lille loses to a pretty bad Celtic team on the last match day. I, I don't know who's going to show up in this one. So I like Lille. This is my biggest risk of the day. Jonathan David, the Canadian to score. I'm just going for it. North America, NA all day. Here we go. And Lille to win 1-0, 2-0, or 2-1 plus 750. That's probably my biggest reach of the whole day. But I really like the two Jonathans on the team, Jonathan David and Jonathan Bamba for Lille. I think they're going to have to – this is at home. They're going to have to do something here uh, and, and try to build a little bit of a – because Ajax are very good, especially in Amsterdam. So I, I like Lille to, to win it, but win it tight, real tight. Well, if they do that, it's a complete 180 from last season. They were both in the same Champions League group, if you remember. Ajax won both of them, 3-0 and 2-0, I believe. But a completely different time, completely different team, especially for Ajax. I am going with a very, very thin win margin for Lille, 1-0. Okay, cool. We're on the same page. And if Jonathan David scores, we're going to be laughing all the way to the <laughs> bank, Luis. So, cash, so cash, what I'll cash. Say, before we move to the next game, what I think people should consider, especially, and this is very March Madness, like, like I mentioned before, could be a good opportunity to have a parlay, pick a couple teams to get a draw. I think you're getting tremendous value on a lot of these teams. And if you take into consideration what I'm saying, maybe that will influence you in a positive way to, to win even bigger. So we'll see. Absolutely. We will see. All right. Here's another one, a really big one. Uh, after losing this past weekend and losing top of the uh, lead standings in Serie A, AC Milan now faces Red Star. So it's AC Milan's return to Europa League. Obviously, they have a lot 
to worry about in terms of trying to get that Scudetto, but Europa League is just as important for Pioli, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, etc. What do you have here? This is a crazy one for me. Red Star Belgrade are very good. They're unbeaten since October. This is in uh, Belgrade, in Serbia. They've, they, this game, they've, they've won 12 out of the 15, okay? Milan are coming off a surprisingly, as you mentioned, listless performance against Spezia, where they lost 2-0. And not only that, they didn't get a shot on goal, which is what? That's, that's a big, big problem. Here's a fun fact for you. Listen to this stat, everybody. AC Milan only lost three games in all of 2020. Three games, all of 2020 they lost. Since the beginning of 2021, they've lost four out of 10. So I don't know what's going on with this Milan team. They're always going to hit a tough, tough, tough patch at some point. But that's crazy. And I really like Red Star Belgrade because they have that confidence in themselves. They know how to be winners. They're making the plays to win games no matter who the opponent is. And I like that mentality. And Milan are not doing that right now. And you have to take into consideration for everybody that wants to bet on this game specifically, Milan have the, the Milan Derby on the weekend. They take on Inter. They have to win that game to stay relevant in the title race. If Inter wins that one and starts to create a gap at the top, that's probably more important than how they do in leg one against Red Star Belgrade. I think we're going to see a second string team for Milan, maybe players that don't play with each other very often. And I think Belgrade can take advantage. I really, really like Belgrade to win this one straight up plus 320. And you're welcome because I think it's going to hit for sure. <laughs> a very, very good point about the Milan derby. Milan has a huge game coming up this weekend. Something that's very important for the entire club, the entire squad. You mentioned, especially because this is a two-legger, you would think, you would think that AC Milan, the stronger squad, would probably rotate a little bit, you know, and maybe get a point out of this and then try and, you know, finish it all up when they return to this in zero. However, if Red Star do win, it'll be the first time they have never beaten AC Milan in European competition. I'm doing it. I am, I'm backing them. I'm backing them, Luis. You are backing them. I'm going with a draw here. I think AC Milan is strong enough to just hold for a point. I'll go with a 1-0, possibly even a stalemate, but I'll give them a goal each. 1-0. Okay, I respect that. What I think will happen is I think Red Star will score yeah. two and i think that milan will get that all-important away goal and i think that will be enough to see them through in leg two but all attention and all of their energy and focus has to be on the milan derby and also take into consideration inter don't have a midweek game anymore right they're out of the champions league europa league uh they're not in the the the, the copa italia they can rest this week, you know? So Milan have to be really thoughtful about how they prepare for this one. A really unfortunate spot for Stefano Pioli, especially because they're not playing well at the moment. Will be interesting to see. I think I think Red Star could take advantage. No, 100%. It will be a very interesting game. Another one as well, as we mentioned, Champions League teams just, uh, you know, trickling down to the Europa League. RB Salzburg. Brendan Aronson's RB Salzburg. Jesse Marsh's <laughs> RB Salzburg against... El Submarino Amarillo Villa Real. This is going to be quite a game. What do you have here, Jimmy Conrad? This is a great one. Jesse Marsh, RB Salzburg, an American taking on Une Emery and Villa Real, the yellow submarine. Une Emery, if you guys remember, won three straight Europa League titles with Sevilla uh, last decade, in the middle of last decade. So, oh, man, he's got so much experience in this Villa Real. Little uneven form, La Liga, but. Still, you can't sleep on the yellow submarine with some of the talent that they have. Now, Salzburg were in a tough group. If you guys remember, Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, Lokomotiv Moscow. They got third and got it down to the last match day. Unfortunate not to beat Atleti at home to do the business. They score a ton of goals. They did it against Bayern. They did it against Atleti. But they also give up a lot of goals. And so I suspect that there's going to be a lot of goals in this one. But at home, Salzburg are good. My problem, though, is they lost their best player, Dominic Sabaslai, to Leipzig. Leipzig's like, oh, thank you very much. Uh, my other Red Bull team, we're going to take your best player. Uh, and, and now a lot of the responsibilities fall on, fall on to the shoulders of Pat Sendaka. He's got 13 goals and five assists and 13 appearances this season. The guy's lights out. He's and I great. think he's, he's great. I think he's going to give Villarreal some, some problems. Uh, Villarreal scored 17 goals in their six group stages games, but their form isn't so great at the moment. Um, I kind of like, I kind of like, uh, the safer play in this is Redbird, uh, excuse me, Salzburg to win and both teams to score plus 270. I don't know if they're going to end up winning the tie, but I like the Salzburg team. I like that very similar to Marcel Bielsa. They just go for it. They have an identity and they're just going to go. And if it ends up being four or three, they don't care as long as they win, right? Get something out of it. And I think those away goals that they might give up to Villarreal will end up proving to be the difference. I think Villarreal will lock it down in leg two. That said, this isn't leg two. This is leg one. If you really want to take it one step further, I like Patsendaka to score and Salzburg to win plus 400. However, the safer play, like I said, is just Salzburg to win straight up with both teams to score plus 270. 
Well, let's not forget, by the way, that RB Salzburg will have the advantage of already playing some really tough opponents in 2020. So when they come down, not to, you know, belittle Villarreal, but they're not exactly Atletico Madrid. They're not Bayern Munich. They're not Liverpool. So that could be an advantage. By the way, here's a good stat for you. Uh, The first leg from Villarreal's perspective has never ended as a draw in the last uh, 14 knockout stage matches. So I don't think we'll see a draw either. I see RB Salzburg winning this. There will be goals. Let's go crazy here. 3-2 RB Salzburg. I, I like that. I like that. And and I just saw the stat that I had written down. Uh, I think this is a form play, right? You look at a team that are in form. Uh, RB, RB Salzburg on top of the table, scored 54 goals in 17 league games so far in the Austrian Bundesliga. And then Villarreal have only won once out of their last seven in all competitions. So if you look at form, I think Salzburg's got it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, everybody, we're going to take a break because Jimmy and I need just a drink of water. When we come (laughs) back, we have plenty more Europa League. It's not going anywhere. Stay right here. Gego Lasso. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, everybody. Gego Lasso, our Europa League preview round of 32. Jimmy Conrad, you ready, baby? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Wolfsburger. I love that. I love saying that. Wolfsburger, not Wolfsburg. Don't be confused. Wolfsburger against Tottenham. Jose Mourinho's scintillating, creative Tottenham. I'm sorry, Spurs fan. What do you have here, Jimmy? So to catch everybody up on Wolfsburger, they play in Austria as well. They're currently in sixth, and this is the first time that they have been in the knockout rounds of a major competition. So they're just happy to be here. And I think that mentality probably isn't good for Spurs. They're expected to win. They have not looked particularly good recently. They're back four, making a ton of mistakes. And when they make mistakes, Lloris isn't making the saves that he usually does. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of stuff online about these guys being washed and blah, blah, blah. They just have to make plays. It's not that hard. And, and they've done it before. And they just can't get out of their own way at the moment. That's tough to, to lose it at the times. So because Wolfsburg have nothing to lose, I give them a little bit of an outside chance. Mourinho definitely under fire. They've lost five out of their last six. Uh, this like listless performance against City does make me worry this past weekend when they lost 3-0. I kind of like Deli Ali. I think he's going to start in this one. Wow. I, I think he's pissed. And I think he's going to oh, score. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to score. You know, he, he wanted to go to PSG. It, it fell through at the last minute because LaCelso was hurt and they wanted to have some cover there. It makes perfect sense from Daniel Levy and Mourinho's perspective. But you have a pissed player. And I like him to score anytime plus 200. I think that's just really good value for Deli Ali, who's who I hope shows that he's pissed. You never know what that guy. He seems pretty, you know, even keel or a little bit of an introvert, right? Like if he's, something's bothering him, you can't really tell other than, I don't know. So I'm hoping that he gets to express himself and have full 90 minutes to go out there and run around. Well, how about I Gareth Bale? Know- Gareth Bale, dude, talk about wash. I actually think you could use that term for him. I, the <laughs> defenders obviously have a soft spot as a former defender myself. And I, I like Lloris. He's been such a valuable player to France and, and Spurs for many years. But Gareth Bale definitely looks washed for me. He just doesn't look like he cares in any stretch of the imagination. So I don't know. He, he could do something, but I, I don't think it matters to him. Dele Ali, though, I still think has something to prove. And I don't think that Bale does. I do think that because of this defense being a little bit suspect for Spurs, Wolfsburger have nothing to lose. I could see both teams scoring. 
And I think Spurs are going to win. I think their quality wind up shining through and that maybe some of the players that aren't playing as much have something to prove. And we'll, I can see like a two, one win here for Spurs. That's plus plus one ninety five. So I think something to consider for people. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Sometimes this game, everybody is simpler than you think. It's just about quality and yeah. Tottenham, regardless of the lack of creativity that they often have under Mourinho really just have a better squad. And it doesn't matter how much you rotate it. You're still going to have Harry Kane up there, human son. I feel Gareth Bell, uh, Dali Ali. You know, Davinson Sanchez is probably going to want to, you know, maybe uh, try and recuperate himself from what happened last time around. I just, uh, against Man City, I just, Tottenham is just a better squad, pure and simple. It won't be like a huge margin. I, I'm with you. 2-1 to Tottenham in this one, I think. Yeah, cool. I'm glad we're on the same page. I was that one's a little tricky for me. If you're gonna put any teams in a parlay, you might want to stay away from Spurs. I, I would maybe try to find three other teams and three different results somewhere else. Definitely out of all of the Premier League teams, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Premier League teams, let's go to Slavia Praha against Leicester City, who are coming off a great win against Liverpool, three-one. What do you have here? Yeah, so Leicester are unbeaten in their last nine away matches, and uh, that stretches back to a 1-0 defeat to Zoria and Ukrainian side back in early December in the Europa League. Uh, I think they're, they're favorites to progress. I just feel like Prague are pretty good. They haven't lost since they uh, lost to Bayer Leverkusen 4-0 in the last match day. They've got nine wins and, and drawn once, kind of similar to Red Star Belgrade. There's something about having that type of confidence. I don't think Jamie Vardy plays in this one. I think that uh, they're going to rest him, right, as they start to, to have – a better chance at finishing top four in the Premier League, something they have to balance as well. Their schedule is not easy either. They're pretty decimated in the back though. And I think that's going to be an issue. They have so many injuries. They got Fofana's out, Wes Morgan's out, James Justin's out, Castagne probably won't play. Uh, Ricardo Pereira's coming back into the team. Excellent, maybe the best right back in the Premier League last season. Coming back from injury, he started, he's starting to play a little bit more, but I don't think they risk him midweek when they want to rest him, right? There's bigger, better games, even the leg two for this one um, to, to consider. So. I kind of see a 1-1 here, which uh, isn't all that sexy, but I could see a draw. Ilianacho, you know, scoring is active. It just depends. I just don't know who's going to start, and that makes it really hard for me to, to push anybody that is interested in, in wagering some money on this one way or the other because it's really hard to know the lineup. But Slavia Prague are good, and, and people shouldn't sleep on them. Yeah, they shouldn't sleep on them. And I think the bigger point, that one that you mentioned, of course, is the fact that six players, up to six players, could be missing for Leicester City. I mean, we don't even know if Ayosi Perez will be yeah. ready to do this. So that's another big problem for them. Uh, and to your point, they're just so close on returning to a top four spot to just, you know, they want that so badly, especially Brendan Rodgers with everything that he's gone through. He has to be very smart about the rotation of the squad as the season, of course, continues into March and April, et cetera, et cetera. Slavia Prague are not an easy opponent. Oh, this is hard. I'm going to be really boring here. Let's go for a draw here. Maybe yeah. maybe one all, one all. I think. A, a really tough, resilient uh, you know, result for both teams. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I could see the draw. Nobody really wanting to you know, extend themselves, put themselves at risk. That's what's interesting about a two-legged affair is how hard do you go on leg one knowing you have another 90 minutes uh, to, to, you know, to maybe expose yourself. And I think we're going to see, I think it'll be tight in this one. Slavia Prague will just feel each other out, see what the lineup is. They probably don't even know what Leicester's going to roll out either. I like the draw as well, plus 230. on. All right. Uh, All right. Well, let's go uh, to another game here. Braga. Braga hosting Roma, who's doing pretty well. In Serie A, uh, you would say. But here comes the Europa League for another schedule to arrange for Roma. What do you have here? Yeah, so I like Braga a lot. They're currently third in the Portuguese league. They uh, are tough, very tough at home. They're unbeaten their last seven matches in all competitions. They've only lost once on home soil. And that was the very, very first game of the season back in September. Since then, they've won 13 out of 16. This is in Portugal. Roma have been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. Very good at home. Not so great away from home uh, that uh, they've lost five of their last seven away matches here on my notes. Uh, I think Roma are ultimately the favorites to, to get through this because when they go back to Rome, I think they're going to put the slap down. But they don't have – Chris Smalling is out. And I remember when Chris Smalling list, uh, missed the, their match against Sevilla in the Europa League last season. Sevilla just ran all over him. I mean, yeah. I think he has that type of presence. And when he's not in the team, they're just different. And you take into fact that that – that home record that, that Braga have and, and Roma's away record. I'm just kind of looking at the stats. It's hard to get away from them. I will say, though, that Braga lost their best striker in Paulinho, a sporting club de Portugal, who are on top of the Portuguese table. 
they bought him. He's gone. He lost less than January transfer window. And then uh, they have a couple other players that do score a lot of goals that are out as well. So I'm a little bit, I'm unsure about this Braga team. I bet you they think if I'm the, if I'm the Portuguese manager, the Braga manager, I'm thinking I need to get a result here. Not a, not a draw. We have to go for it here because if we go back to Rome, it's going to be very, very difficult to get the result that I think that we want. Maybe we can get a draw on that second leg, but we got to get something out of this first one. So I think they're going to be pressing. I think Edin Dzeko might come back into the team. He hasn't been starting because of that fallout with the manager Fonseca. He might be coming back in now. I think everything's settled in that capacity and the January transfer window is gone. He can't go anywhere. That's my thoughts on that. I don't really even know what the scoreline is going to be in this because there's a lot of, there's a lot of risk. So again, this is probably a game I would avoid from a parlay perspective. Yeah, and just to add more confusion, even though Roma has faced uh, multiple Portuguese clubs in European competition, this is actually the first time they're going to be facing. So we don't really have a history of both these uh, teams facing against each other. Again, just like the Tottenham uh, game, I might just have to go in terms of strength of squad. I feel like Roma might just be ahead in this one, but it is tough. It is tough, especially because they have to travel, etc. Oh, man, uh, a very thin Roma win, one nothing. I mean, they're the favorites, plus, 10, plus 105 on William Hill. The draw's 260, Braga's plus 240. It's just one of those things. And, and I think we've mentioned it in one of my favorite phrases when, with regard to talking to these, talk, talking about these types of competitions, that you can never sleep on Portuguese teams in Europe. You just can't. Like, they figure out a way to be so difficult to beat. And so I guess I'd be leaning more to a draw, but, but Roma will just get that all-important away goal and then go ahead and do the business in leg two. Yeah, I'll well, say, I'll say one, one. I'll say one, one again. Okay, great. Because it's also no surprise why Portugal does well in European international competition. You just can't get rid of them. No, they're you just, can't. They're just yeah. too. They're too annoying. Uh, <laughs> in a good way. In a good right. way. Relax, right. Portugal. Relax. All right, let's uh, let's finish it with Antwerp, Belgian side Antwerp against Steven Gerrard's Rangers. Yeah, this is a good one. I I like this one a lot because. I want to continue to see how Steven Gerrard does in Europe outside of the Scottish Premiership where Rangers have a stranglehold on that. They should win the league for the first time in 10 years. So congratulations and early congratulations to them on that. Gerrard and, and Rangers in particular have been excellent. Uh, they've only lost, I think, once all season and um, in all competitions. And, and I want to see how that continues. I think they've got a pretty favorable opponent in Royal Antwerp, even though Antwerp did beat Tottenham in the group stages. So they shouldn't be underestimated. I just feel like Rangers have too much quality in so many different ways. Also, uh, Kamar Roof and Alfredo Morales were both suspended for the Rangers 1-0 win over Kilmernock uh, over the weekend. So you got those two guys who are going to be super fresh. So I like maybe one of those two scoring. I'm going to look at those odds really quick. I think Rangers are going to win straight up. That value right now is, uh, excuse me, let me take a look at it, is minus 110. But what I really liked was Rangers to keep a clean sheet. That's one plus 165. And then and then if you think that Royal Antwerp will get a goal, I still think Rangers are going to win. That's plus 270. I just think Rangers are too strong. But I really like the plus 165 for the clean sheet because they've been so good defensively this season. Yeah, yeah. And listen, Royal Antwerp will face Rangers for the first time in European competition. They have faced Scottish clubs before, but they've lost every single one of them. So, you know, just uh, food for thought there. I'm with you. I think Rangers, Steven Gerrard's going to be hungry uh, to continue on in this competition. Kamaruf and Morelos, as you mentioned, didn't play in the last game in the Scottish Premiership. So they're going to be hungry to do something here. It's just, it's a no-brainer here. I mean, I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any means, but it's going to be a win for Rangers, perhaps even something like two nothing, two nothing Rangers, perhaps. Yeah, who do you got? Who do you who do you like scoring? Well, you know, we're about to talk about Kamar Roof, so I'll, I'll give him a brace. <laughs> okay, so Kamar Roof. I mean, if Kamar Roof scores and Rangers win one zero two zero two one, that's plus five hundred. So I'm just kind of looking at that value for you guys. If you think it's going to be bigger, Kamar Roof to score and Rangers to win two zero two one or three one, that's plus five hundred as well. So you got a couple options there that uh, you should consider just depends on, on what your fancy is. What your fancy is. And my fancy is Jimmy Conrad every single day right here. <laughs> Killing it, Jimmy Conrad. That's it. Any final thoughts, anything that we miss? Because there's so many games, everybody. 16 matches before we move on, because after this, we have a great chat with Kumar Roof uh, in this episode. But Jimmy, anything to add as we say goodbye? No, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to the She Believes Cup. Uh, it's a big tournament for the U.S. women's national team. Uh, they're playing three games in seven days. It's going to really mimic what it looks like for the Olympics. 
So that's very exciting. Canada's in it. And then Brazil and Argentina are in it as well. So that's, uh, I, I can't wait to watch it. I hope that our women dominate like always. See, I didn't text him to say that because guess what? After Kamaru's interview, we are also recirculating uh, our chat with Becky Sauerbrunn, the United States women's national team captain. What a tremendous player and human being, by the way. And she talks about it. She believes Cobb, the team working again under uh, Vladko Andonovsky, and of course, the force, the machine that is the U.S. women's team, as Jimmy mentioned, kicks off She Believes Cup against Canada on Thursday night. Jimmy, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Thank you for watching and listening, everybody. Thank you, everybody. And uh, right now, we have a great chat with Kamar Roof. Check it out. Working under Steven Gerrard, who really thinks so highly of you, what's it like to work under him? It's, it's, it's um, a blessing because someone of his stature, his um, reputation of being a top player, we're not just talking an average okay player. We're talking a world-class top player of his generation. Um, and now to be able to work with him, um, listen to what he's got to say, good things about myself and also the bad things to be able to improve, it, 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 it's massive. You know, your last three managers, Kamar, Steven Gerrard, Vincent Company, and Marcelo Yelsa. That's quite a list, my friend. Do you, do you think about that sometimes, that ridiculous resume that you're building? <laughs> no, I, I know someone, I, I was, before I signed for Rangers, I was speaking to an ex-player and he actually mentioned that to me. He said, even for when I go into, if I want to go into managing or coaching when I retire, the, the, the guys I've worked under and with is... It's a good list, um, and I've been fortunate to be able to do so. Yeah, listen, I read that when you had the phone call with Vincent Company, you were like, I'm surprised you even know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it's true, because obviously, me, I'm a, I'm a football fan, first and foremost, and I'll be watching all the Premier League games, and especially the big games, I'll be watching them, and um, throughout my footballing career growing up. Vincent Company has been the, one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League. Um, and for him to to go to Belgium, to a, a big club, Anderlecht, and to want me, is it's not something I, I was expecting or, or, or dream of. And it's, it's an, it was an opportunity I couldn't turn down. Right. You call yourself a football fan, obviously uh, a student of the game. And, you know, I just have to talk about Bielsa for a second. You, you said he opened my eyes to a different way of thinking about football. I talked to Jack Harrison last week and he said a similar thing. What's it like to work under him? It's, it's, it's very good because he, it's, it's hard to explain. He is a, he's a genius. First and foremost, he's a genius in football. Um, but the way he he wants his players and his team to play, he makes the game so simple, but so difficult at the same time. Um, it's it's very very hard to explain it. It's it's anybody on the outside looking in will think it's very difficult. But when he's working with a group of players, he makes you understand it, believe in it, and then. It, you go back home thinking, wow, that was easy. Why right. didn't I get that in the first place? <laughs> I always think of it as study, like it, it's like learning chess. At the very beginning, you feel like it's so yeah. interesting. But then once you know the game, everything just begins to make sense. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way of describing it. All right. Listen, I want to talk about you a little more now. Okay. We got to talk about your wonder goal against Standard Leash. I know that they've asked about you. I know that you've talked about it a lot, but I have to ask you. Gerard called it the best goal he's ever seen. How did it feel to score that? It's, it was, yeah. Now, looking back at the moment, it means more to me at the time. At the time, you just, it's a tunnel vision. So you don't really remember a lot. Um, a lot of it is instincts as well. But then looking back now and being able to watch the videos, um, reactions, it's, you kind of, it sinks in that it is a big goal. 
Because you, you said before, like, you'd rather score a tap-in as part of an important game as opposed to, like, a 50-yarder as opposed to a nothing game, uh, which I totally understand. But, like, I mean, just you just have to understand that what you did was absolute Because you were almost falling down, Kamar. That was ridiculous. Yeah, well, let, this goal was more of a, um, like a bucket list goal. Right. So now that I've ticked it off, I'm, I'm satisfied. But when it comes to the important goals where off the knee, a tap in on, on the line to win you those vital three points or to win the league or to win a cup, now that they're the big ones. So what else is in your bucket list? Um, I would like to score a bicycle kick. Like a, okay. a proper... Proper one over, yeah. I've done like this the half bicycle sidekicks, but I want the proper full one. So, <laughs> um, the best one I saw was Ronaldinho, where he he got the cross, he, he chested it, and then bicycle kick. I, I'll never forget that goal, and that's the one I want to score. Hey everybody, that was Kamar Roof from Rangers. Make sure that you check them out in action in the Europa League. But also, as She Believes Cup kicks off on Thursday night and the U.S. women's national team, the World Cup champion, She Believes Cup defending champion, United States women's national team, kicks off against Canada. We just wanted to give you a few more sound bites from that great interview with Becky Sauber and the team's new captain. There's also a piece I wrote about it on CBSSports.com. So here you go. Becky Sauber as She Believes Cup and the U.S. look to kick things off on Thursday night. I, I know that you've probably heard this a million times and I'm sure that it's a generic question and you're probably forced in many ways to just uh, give me a generic answer. But when you were officially named as captain, um, how did it feel? I know, you know, as I'm talking to you, this is the first time we're talking. So it's not like I know you from Adam, but, you know, it just feels that you are such uh, no nonsense, you know, take everything as is. But when you, you know, you get that moment, to you're the captain of of the best team in the world, of one of the greatest squads ever. How does it feel? Well, it's really interesting because when Blacko brought me in, he he basically asked, he was like, do you want to be the captain? Because- <laughs> He gave you it, the choice. Yeah, I mean, it, it carries a lot of, of weight. I mean, you have a lot of responsibility. You're right, it's, you're a captain of, of one of the best teams in sports history. And so that that carries a little bit of a burden too. And this team, as I'm sure you know, is it's full of characters, like full of really strong, intelligent, opinionated women. And to try to gather all that energy and harness it for good um, and to make sure everyone's on the same page, like a lot of that falls to the leadership of the team. And I am now part of that. Um, and so really like my first thoughts were like, should I be the captain? Like, is this what's best for the, for the team? Are you serious? Yeah, I am serious. You have to ask those questions. And, and sometimes being a leader and being a reluctant leader, like that's okay. Like it's okay to be a little reluctant because that means you're always going to second guess all your decisions. You're always going to be working to be a better leader. And so I knew that about myself that I'm never going to be satisfied with how I lead or the player that I am or the person that I am. And so if Vlaco thought it was a good decision and he had gotten the input of other players and other staff members and they felt that it was a good decision, then I was like, yeah, like I, I would love to take this on. I know it's going to be tough and there are going to be good days and bad days. Um, but I, it'd be truly an honor to be a captain of this team. And so overwhelming feeling was what an honor. Yeah. I, the, excuse me for me going, just, are you serious? It's, <laughs> it's, it's because honestly, it's so, you know, in many ways, it's a no brainer, right? If, to me and to many, just you are such an epitome of what a professional should be. But I guess your answer after I said, are you serious? Really just, it describes that you uh, are so, where does this come from? Your level head in it? I mean, I, I always, uh, when I saw one interview from you, you discussed obviously about you growing up with your brothers and I feel like they gave you like such, a, I don't know, a stoic, I guess. Uh, way of thinking would you say that's that that's fair is there anything else that comes from it? what else comes from it because I just you know you're so level-headed but at the same time I see you on the pitch and it's like I don't want to be if I'm a striker I don't want to be anywhere near you 
So like, where does the, where does all of that come from? Um, well, my brothers definitely gave me physical strength, but also they gave me a lot of like strategy and how I can get myself out of really bad situations with them. Cause I mean, they were older and they definitely used me a little bit like a guinea pig when it came to pranks and stuff like that. So thinking how to like placate them or just to avoid the situation or to like really deflect and get them to pay attention to somebody else. So I think like they really gave me kind of an intelligence, like an emotional intelligence that yeah. really has helped me throughout my life when it comes to sports and even, you know, just life, just being able to read a room and read people and to get the best out of people and to know kind of where they are in what situation and how to like best work around it. So I think they, they really helped me with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sam Lewis, who's a friend of the show as well. We talked to her uh, last year. It, th this quote didn't come to me, but um, she said, um, Sometimes I look to Becky like my moral compass, uh, like whatever she's doing, what I know is right. So I should probably do the same thing. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of that comment? I mean, I like, I love Sam. I think Sam is basically everything that a national team player should be both on and off the field. So if she said something that incredibly nice, like I'm, I'm very flattered, but I also, yeah, I go by my moral compass and I make decisions based off what's best for the team. And a lot of the time that takes me out of the spotlight and puts other people into the spotlight. And I am more than happy to do that. Um, but yeah, it's really for me, just finding everyone's strengths and like promoting those. And so that we're minimizing all our weaknesses. All right, let's talk about this squad for She Believes Cup, um, a tournament you're looking to defend. 17 players from the roster from the NWSL. Six of them are in Europe. Uh, you obviously have so much experience playing with uh, different types of personalities, uh, talented players, uh, rosters. How do you feel about this squad? I mean, I feel great. I think you could put any number of people on this squad and the team is still going to be great. And that's one of the advantages of being on the U.S. team is that the depth of the player pool is so much more than just 23 players. And so I don't envy Vlaco or the coaching staff their their decisions for oh, putting it down to an Olympic roster of 18 people. Luckily, it she believes you're going to have a few few more that you can you know play around with. Um, but the team's always going to be strong, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Do it's it's amazing to me when I see. I mean, obviously, there is this uh, type of I'm trying to think of a good word, but this is nothing is perfect. But just the mindset from the American player and the US uh, WNT is amazing. Is it, what do you think it is? What happens in training? Is there something that happens where it, it, the sisterhood, is it just the uh, killer competitive mentality? What is it, do you think? What is it in the American water? As a Peruvian, as a non-American, what is it about this squad that is just so ridiculous? Honestly, we, like this current generation, inherited all of that from the generations before us. So. For me, like the 1999 team, they basically started something that we are now carrying on. And that mental toughness and the competitiveness and the camaraderie, like that was started by them. And we are just like, if you want to be a member of this team, you have to live and embody all of those things that the 1999ers did. And if you don't, like you're not going to be around very long. Is there anyone that you look up to specifically? Oh, yeah. I mean, Carla Overbeck, I think yeah. is one also center back also wore number four. So just to be in that same <laughs> history of number four. I mean, I remember watching her in Chicago during the World Cup in 99 and just the absolute respect that she commanded on the field from her own team, but also from opponents. Like she was feared. Yeah. And to have that presence and that gravity, that's something that I've always tried to emulate. Yeah, yeah. Becky, like, like I mentioned in the intro, you're what I call an unsung hero, right? Uh, no nonsense, often do the dirty work. You steer the ship without much fuss, bells or whistles, right? But, but I feel like you like it like that, right? Is that a fair assessment? That's, that's completely fair. I'm actually quite introverted. Yeah. And so attention, being around people, like that can be a little bit of an energy suck. And so spotlights anything like that this interview like <laughs> not really my cup of tea although i'm having a great time thanks um but yeah it's just me I, and you becky it's just me there's yeah. nothing else going me you and your uh, little cat toy at the back and that's exactly it. <laughs> yes the annoying cat toy 
so yeah, I, I am, I'm very fine doing my job and making sure that I'm getting the most out of my teammates and being a good person and helping everyone be the best versions of themselves. Like for me, that's a job well done. And I am very happy at keeping it that. Do you find it as an introvert difficult sometimes to when things are not going well in a game, perhaps even at halftime when you have to give that talk after obviously the, you know, the manager, the coach does it. Do you find yourself that you have to push your, imagine like there's another Becky saying, listen, you got to like now, you know, do you find that or is it different in, in, in a match situation? I mean, sometimes it's different in a match situation just because everything is so elevated. The adrenaline, right. I'm incredibly lucky that there are so many leaders on the women's national team that if a more blunt, abrasive, uh, conflict type of voice needs to be heard, like it doesn't need to be my voice all the time. Like an Alex Morgan or a Megan Rapinoe, like those voices can take those moments. And so really like, I feel like leaders know after they've read the room, this is the moment I'm supposed to step up and say something. And so for me to try to do something that's not authentic to myself, like people are going to see right through that. And it's not going to have the emotional gravity that it needs to have. But if you have someone like Omega Rapino step up at halftime and say, this isn't good enough, like people are going to be like, all right, it's not good enough. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad, Kamar, Roof, Becky Sauerbrunn one more time for joining me today. Don't forget that we're on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review. It really helps us to grow the show. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. YouTube. Watch us on YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash Lasso. Also, we're on CBSSports.com. We're here every day for you. Make sure that you stay tuned for our Champions League recaps, our weekend previews, much more interviews coming later this week. We're not going away and we just want to keep growing and growing and it's all thanks to you so make sure that you enjoy the games and we'll see you next time okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.